Hello, Jamie. <laughs> Hello, Keith. How are you? Yeah, that was great timing. I got you right on clearing your uh, Thank you. Thank you. You just started this thing up, man. Yeah, I wanted to get into it today. Get, get right in there. Yep. How are so, things? Uh, Staying uh, safe? Yeah, you inside? They're okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely safe. There is no danger in my vicinity, which might be a problem almost. Good Lord. Why? It's killing me slowly, dude. Oh, yeah, it didn't bug me for the first, you know, two, three weeks because, you know, I was born. I was born for this. You were you were born in it? <laughs> I was born in situation. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm missing people, humans. Yeah, it's a uh, it's the combination of um, being told that I'm not allowed to go other places. Right. I think. And. Just, yeah, the lack of human interaction that are really, really getting me down because I'm an extroverted dude. I kind of probably don't seem that way to most people, but I like being around other people, even if it's like I go to the coffee shop so I can hear the noise around me, you know, just uh, siphon off some energy from strangers and then come back home, feel energized. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely by myself. Yeah, I'm an sucks. introvert, man. So that, that stuff. But even introverts need some sort of interaction every now and then. So, yeah, it's tough, man, but uh, we got to do it. Yeah. So between that and uh, Eden having either being the world's worst sleep talker or having really teething pretty constantly for the last uh, few weeks, I actually took the last couple of weeks off. Nice. Because I needed extra sleep in the time that I would normally be trying to work on side project stuff. So I have legitimately nothing to talk about, but I saw some of your notes for today. So I think we have plenty to talk about. How, um, how is your company doing in terms of the COVID stuff? Oh, I think we adjusted really well. Uh, a few weeks in advance, they had kind of been like, okay, we're going to, everybody's going remote. We just want to make sure that we get the kinks worked out just in case any of the cities we operate offices in have uh, a hard lockdown kind of quarantine sort of thing which was good timing since literally every city did. And yeah, things have been going fairly well as far as I know. But then again, I only work kind of in my own department, you know, yeah. which my department was remote anyway. So do you see um, like, um, like data in terms of like signups, um, courses taken, things like that? I don't know that stuff. And I probably wouldn't be allowed to tell you even if it did, but yeah. Uh, I'm just yeah, curious know, yeah. if it went up I, or I down. I think in general, though, like e-learning and online yeah. anything right now uh, has been kind of going up. Yeah. yeah. Like there's been a lot more people. I mean, I guess there's chatter on. I'm on LinkedIn because students are on LinkedIn. And so that's a, one of the ways they reach out to me. Never would have expected that I would have like a thousand connections on LinkedIn or whatever. <laughs> but um, third in your graph. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of chatter on there, basically about like, well, you guys aren't doing anything else. Might as well study for a cert or you know go learn a new piece of technology or whatever. So that's yeah, uh, I can imagine that seems to be the approach that people have been taking. Which I'm like, good for you. That's that's good. That's a lot better than me, where I'm just like slowly dying over here. Yeah, my uh, my client is a remote <clears throat> product. It's, it's a mm -hmm. project management tool built in Slack. So. Um, their customer, like the number of signups of like 10 X with super huge companies. So 
Yeah, that's crazy. We have a different like, set I mean, of problems. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm over here trying to figure out how Zoom is pulling it off, you know? No, not very well. Um, I, I My understanding is they went from having like 10 million daily active unique users to like 200 plus million daily active unique users. Yeah, it's well, it's kind of crazy because like my, uh, my, my daughter's school and my wife's school were using Zoom and then the Zoom bombing started to happen and, and like mm-hmm. district wide. Both their schools are like, okay, we're not using Zoom anymore. So now they're all using like Google Meet. Yep. Which, can we talk about Google Meet as a name? <laughs> um, it's funny when my wife texts me. It's 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 like, I don't think that's the Meet you're... you're yeah, does it autocorrect to, to Meet I, with an A? I don't know. Or if she just doesn't know the spelling <laughs> or doesn't care about the spelling. <laughs> uh, but it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's a horrible name. Like you're at that point, why don't you just you know, call it Google meetings. Like they, they're right there. Actually, um, remove, you know, them, my wife using Google me has actually brought up a, um, a, uh, a good kind of situation, not a situation, but something I found out is that Google meet has these, what they call extensions. And mm-hmm. so I started asking my wife and people that she works with and stuff, they're always talking about extension. I was like, do you guys, would you guys rather have it be called extensions or plugins or integrations? <laughs> so I'm like doing some, some product. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. So I actually might, I might move towards uh, extensions. They all get it. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you're extending the, I mean, I, it's all kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, but yeah, whatever the user clings to the most makes, that makes the most sense. Yeah. Just trying to think of like what non-technical people call those things. Mm -hmm. And I think Google meet calls them extensions because they're really just browser extensions. So. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, cool. So, uh, are you back at work this week or. Are you taking this week off? Yes. I, oh yeah, we act, we took off yesterday and I took off good Friday myself, but like company wide, we were out, which I didn't realize that apparently Easter is like a national holiday in the UK and in Australia. Hmm. So, um, it was just one of those things that it's not a national holiday in the U S so we ended up just getting it off as U S employees too. But it's always on Sunday. Yeah. So they just give you the Monday at the end, uh, like afterwards. Gotcha. So give you that recoup time from partying hard on Easter. Right. Running around, finding those Running, eggs. Yeah. Commuting too hard. <laughs> um, which egg hunt was pretty fun with a one-year-old when you're quarantined in the house. I just moved all of her toys and hid eggs randomly around the living room. She thought it was awesome. So. I saw a tweet the other day that said, um, everybody's got to cool down with the, uh, Social distancing. Jesus did it for three days and came back with superpowers. So everybody just calmed down. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Easter jokes. Yep. Um, so cool. Uh, yeah, I can talk about uh, what I did last last time we talked. Um, yeah. So we started late last time, or last time we recorded, we uh, we we were late in this in our cycle, so we didn't have really a full two weeks. Almost, but not. No, we're we're just shy of two weeks yeah. now because we were recorded. Yeah. So uh, things that I worked on are um, I fixed some of the um, the ticking stuff. So the ticking wouldn't happen at zero, and it wouldn't start at 
the user would never see like the beginning of a tick unless it was the first uh, the first Pomodoro step, uh, the first workflow step. So I fixed that ticking so that the user sees it tick down to zero, and then they see the next step. So actually, all of her Pomodoro, all of the Pomodoro workflows are actually a second less than what they should have been, which was interesting. Um, Hashtag efficiency right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I fixed I can, that. I can do 25 minutes and 24.59. It was, uh, it was, it was cool because it, uh, it was just an issue with uh, pattern matching in Elixir, which is pretty cool. It's kind of cool to like narrow down an issue down to a specific method that has a specific uh, pattern match on it. Uh, it's kind of, it was, I just found it easier to debug, you know? Mm-hmm. pattern matching in elixir and that's like that's a pretty complicated area of chronic's code base yeah yeah um so i fixed that <clears throat> i fixed another issue where uh the client the ios app would not reset itself after uh the last workflow instance um was created mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. so in order to fix that i need to have a new uh, api method and and that so i added all that and that seems to work Works well. And then the, the main thing that I worked on was workflow template switching. So the idea is if you have multiple workflow templates, like let's say you have a Pomodoro template that everybody starts out with, or you have like a, and a deep work template flow, mm-hmm. uh, you can switch between those two. Cool. And that was a little tricky because uh, I made it basically, if you're in the middle of a Pomodoro, it just stops it, cuts it off and, and starts a new one right away and Makes um, sense. doing that i found i found a few bugs in in the implementation so a lot of bugs i i worked out on the that does, you found bugs in where exactly um i'm trying to find uh so when i worked on the it was sending a um an error across our websocket when i would stop it and then it would also close the WebSocket. And oh, okay. yeah, the, the issue was like the error was thrown. Ah, yes, now I remember. When we start the uh, uh, workflow uh, gen server, mm-hmm. it, we start it as a linked process. And since we started in the WebSocket process, this is my theory. Uh, okay. Any, yeah, error, yeah, any error in the uh, workflow process would then bring down the web socket uh, server. So the fix for that was just a simple, instead of start link, just starting it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned a lot about OTP kind of indirectly and and indirectly and refresh my memory on some parts. So that was neat. Yeah. Well, if you're not using that stuff all the time, it does kind of, I feel like a, you lose a little bit of like, okay, wait, what am yeah, I supposed to be doing here? The, Are these the, supposed to be tied together? What? Yeah, that bug was hard to, to to find just because like, oh, the WebSocket's suddenly closing. Why is this? And then like there's not really a deep call stack and, and I noticed that the mm-hmm. WebSocket closed and then I was like, oh, we're doing a start link and doesn't that mean that it's linked to the parent process? And once I figured that out, um, I fixed that that issue as well as the underlying bug that caused it, so. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So then from there, uh, I, I was like, oh, let's deploy this. You know, we got a lot of uh, a lot of things I fixed on the server end. Now let's deploy this. And when I tried to deploy it, the deployment process broke again. 
Um, so that makes like three or four deployments in a row um, that I haven't been able to deploy the application. And um, I was really kind of just stuck uh, figuring out, you know, trying to debug it and figuring out what the issue is. And I just, I was like, I can't, you know, I reached out to you. Um, and I was like, I can't just keep reaching out to Keith every time I have a <laughs> deployment issue. Um, and I, of course, feel horrible about this whole thing because it's like, you know, it's my monster. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, I was thinking about it more, and I'm like, dude, I think it's the fact that I use Chef to pull down configuration stuff out of data bag state. Um, because the problem that I'm guessing you're actually running into is for whatever reason, when it pulls in the source code using Git, it sometimes doesn't populate the version file right. And so it'll build upgrades from incorrect versions. And then you'll try to deploy them on the server and it'll be like, it'll fail in deployment because you're trying to upgrade from 0.2.5 to 0.2.7, say. Yeah. And that was an issue. Uh, that was one issue because I wouldn't, I did notice that on the server, the version that I would pull out, cause you can, you can go into the remote console and pull out the current version that was one behind what the current version was. So those bugs that I fixed last time that were kept there, I, I spent a lot of time trying to find the, keep, keep on finding the bugs that I already fixed. They just weren't deployed, even though I thought the deployment was correct. So um, I was like, okay, I can't have all these, all these moving parts without being an expert in, in DevOps. So I started looking around. I can't use Heroku. So I started looking into Gig Elixir and um, that is pretty sweet. It, it's almost like Gig Elixir is kind of exactly what you built, except it's, um, you know, built in using Google Cloud and AWS and has an interface on top of it and all that stuff as a Git interface. Mm. So it's pretty sweet. Um, like you can do hot upgrades, hot code reloading with, uh, like you can do a Git push and send it a different header and it'll do the hot code reloading instead of um, resetting the, the application which is pretty cool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it has like all these, Oh, it has the ability to, uh, start, um, a remote observer, which is what we chatted about a couple episodes yeah, ago. Nice. So it sets a cookie for you it and gives you the connection string you would need to use and stuff. Yep, exactly. But it also has a command line utility that you can just type in PS observer and, uh, it'll work. Ooh, so I moved, uh, I was like, all right, I want to start with active uh, backgrounds and, and give this a whirl. Uh, first, since active backgrounds is not as complicated and it doesn't have all of the deployment stuff that we have in, in chronic. Mm-hmm. And I did all that and it works amazingly well. Uh, the other thing nice. it has so like data Docker out entirely. I'm sorry. Did you just like rip Docker out then? Yeah. I ripped Docker out. Um, Yep. Rip Docker out. Um, I did some other things, updated readme, you know, there's a, there's a few other files that it needs, uh, like to specify what build packs you're going to use and, and things like that. So, uh, once I did that, um, I, I updated the GitLab CI. So that goes through and deploys automatically to uh, gig Elixir. Um, uh, it's also probably going to be cheaper for right now until it probably gets more expensive, but, um, so that was a good thing. So I, I actually shut down the droplet for um, 
for active backgrounds and that's totally moved, moved to DNS and everything. So that's totally moved. Nice. And now I'm working on moving chronic over. So I'm going to be pretty excited when that, uh, when that stuff is, uh, you know, it's just a black box. I don't need to worry about and it always works and, and, and all that stuff. So I'm very pleased with, with the gig elixir, the work that they did over there. Yeah. sounds good. What? A, oh, the other thing I found while I was looking at this, uh, have you looked into the Phoenix Live dashboard yet? I mentioned it to you uh, a couple weeks ago when I was looking, doing some live view stuff. And because we were kind of talking, I was like, I think, I mean, that's where somebody's going to go eventually and give you kind of observer through a web UI. Good. Yes. But when I was poking around with it, all I saw was like metrics, usage metrics, like how many atoms have been um, kind mm-hmm. of created and what is your memory usage, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I finally like took an actual like look at it and it's like, yeah, it basically has a web view of a, of the um, processes that are running, just like you'd see in an observer and stuff like that. So it looks pretty useful. I just wanted to bring it up because I know you're playing with. Either I launched an old version of it that didn't have that, mm. or uh, maybe there's like a, a way that you can enable different views for it. Cause yeah, I didn't see that at the time. Cause yeah. I was like, Oh, this is perfect thing for it to do, but I'll put awesome. a, I'll put a, a YouTube video in the, uh, in the show notes that I watched. Cool. So yeah, those are the things I've, I've worked on. It wasn't as much. I I'm almost done with the iOS app. I just have the one, um, updating of the, of kind of the workflow notes, uh, I want to do get that in there. And then I also want to get the sounds in there. So those two things are really the only things left with the chronic iOS app. Of course, there's going to be a lot of like polishing and, and all that, but um, I'm hopefully going to be done with the iOS app by the next time we chat. Uh, nice. Yeah. You'd probably have it finished if it wasn't for the deployment stuff. Y- well, yeah, I probably wouldn't have the sounds done, but uh, my hope was well, yeah, the, maybe not sounds, the I notes. Guess. Yeah. So, but so those two things and then the uh, finish the deployment stuff up and um, and then I'll be ready to kind of my I'm going to shift my focus on the uh, marketing aspects of chronic. Uh, so probably a new um, website that kind of describes more of what chronic's about. Um, and then we also chatted a while ago about that uh, kind of about that content marketing site of like how I work. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start that up as well. So start designing that and um, coming up with questions, doing doing the f- a first run of the interview myself to see how it, how it flows, and I'll probably reach out to you as well and and kind of get some some interviews lined up, which will be pretty cool. Oh, you probably don't want to interview me. Mine's my job's pretty boring. Ah, uh, you never know. Work. You never know, man. People people learn learn uh, from just the, the minute little details of stuff. So. Pretty excited for that project, actually. Nice. And yeah, and the other things I've been doing is kind of just um, looking into marketing and 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 trying to come up with a plan on how to launch launch this. Uh, I know it's kind mm-hmm. of a little still far out, but I got to start putting those pieces in place right now. Yeah, it's so, good to think about it. Yep. So I've been watching a lot of videos. Um, I'm part of the MicroConf community. Okay. Um, which is uh, they have like a Slack room. Um, if you're familiar with MicroConf, it was a conference that was supposed to happen uh, this week, actually. Oh, next week. Uh, obviously, that's been uh, the one that I was going to is, has been canceled. 
the microconf starter. They're still doing the growth, uh, but they postponed that to um, September, October or something. But um, So they're not doing it like an online thing or anything? They, they're not, not with the starter, um, but with growth, they're, they're, they're doing a physical, uh, event in October, I think. But, uh, when you signed up for, when you bought your ticket for microconf, you could, uh, join their community, which is called, um, I forgot what they call it. It's called microconf. I don't know, online or something like that. Um, and then every day or every other day now they have like these lunch and learns where they bring on past speakers of microconf. Uh, and they talk a lot about stuff that's relevant to like me launching chronic or running chronic or things like that. So I've, I've done a lot of learning in the past few weeks around, around the marketing side of things. Cool. Yeah. That sounds really, really nice. Yeah. It's a cool community, man. Uh, there's a lot of Slack's not the best for, for these communities, but, um, cause you lose a lot of information. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been it's been nice, man. A lot of a lot of smart people, a lot of uh, a lot of well known people in there too. So it's nice to learn some stuff from from those people that have launched successful projects in the past. So that's it, man. That's my uh, that's my update. Well, cool. Yeah, there's a, a lot of good stuff in there. It's nice to hear things are moving along. I'm glad that uh, Gigalixer is uh, working out pretty well for you. I'm gonna have to check it out. I think Gigalixer honestly probably didn't even exist when I created the. No, and it's uh, the UI is really, really rough. Basically, you do everything through the CLI that they have, like which is fine. I mean, it's that's fine. It's definitely fine. It's anyway, awesome. Right? Like, but when I'm just saying, like when I first looked at it, I was like, is this thing even like working, or is this like a work in progress thing? Like, how far along are they? Because you don't get a lot of information by like when you sign up, you literally just see your list of apps and some documentation to go check out the CLI. So. But the CLI is really, really powerful. So they just haven't nice. moved that stuff to the to web UI yet. But Okay. But it's really nice. Yeah, I'd be real curious to like I don't understand like Heroku's build packs and stuff like that either. So I'd have to had to look at Gigalixer's various things to sort of figure out. Just because I like seeing how people deploy things and mm-hmm. what kind of goes into the the processes for it. Yeah, you can really see like the things that like that you built. And mm-hmm. what Gig Elixir is doing, and it's really just doing the same stuff that you built, just probably a lot more fault tolerant and yeah, probably better. Uh, I, well, uh, I yeah, built this without I mean, knowing anything about Elixir, sure, sure. <laughs> like I was uh, pretty early on in the uh, the Elixir stuff there, and I was like, I need to figure out how we're going to deploy these timers things and run, keep them running and stuff. And then oof, next thing comes out is uh, this kind of monstrous thing. Which honestly, the whole process would have been better if I hadn't didn't use Chef. Hmm. Uh, but that's because I was really I wanted to use Chef for the sake of having access to data bags mm-hmm. to pull in configuration information, and uh, that whole thing would have been so much better if uh, I had been able to talk Squaremouth into open sourcing Lockbox. Lockbox, which was which did I ever tell you about Lockbox? Uh, I think you talked about it last time. You didn't give it a name. Oh, it was a secret management yeah. thing, like because Vault was too complicated for what we needed it for. So I wrote a it's just like a Rails server that manages a bunch of stuff, but it's a Rails server and like a Go CLI and a Ruby library for pulling in these secrets that you need from various lockboxes. And uh it had like 
um, lockbox diffing and stuff so that I basically one of the big things I had to figure out was like, what if you have a team working on this thing and two people modify the same lockbox? Like what happens? Mm. And so it had uh, it had basically uh, like get diff merge commits kind of built into it, which is pretty neat for configuration like information stored inside this encrypted uh, thing. Hmm. And dude, if I had that tool for like, it was, it's like the most important part from the, from chef that I want to use a lot of other times. And I still, they never talked them into open sourcing it. And there are probably boatloads of security flaws if you're not just running it on your own, like VPC and stuff. But Mm. it was, uh, that whole process would have prevented me from doing some other things that like lead to the get problem and the version uh, upgrade problem that you ran into with your build. Cause I remember seeing the version file not get bumped one time in one of our builds. And then I never went back and t- took a look at it. Mm-hmm. I think I did. I don't know if I either manually went on the machine and like built something or if I just triggered the build and it magically worked the next time. But there's like something wrong in there where it's like populating an environment variable before it actually fetches the source code and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's makes me a little sad to, uh, to see that it fell over so hard for you, but I'm glad that you found a solution that's going to work better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't need to become a chef DevOps knife expert. Yeah. You should turn the chef server off. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to turn I yeah. think I'll be able the, to turn the off. The chef server is the most expensive piece of infrastructure that you run Yeah. right now. Yep. Um, yeah. So cool. So yeah, uh, I will report back on, on how uh, Gigalixer works with the uh, hot code reloading. So I have not tried All that right, yet. I'm excited so. to hear it. Cool. Well, I will talk to you later, dude. Okay. See you, man.